Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Three Beards podcast. Hey, we've got a great show. We brought in Max Hawthorne to talk about his brand new book, Monsters and Marine Mysteries. So this is going to be a fantastic interview. Um, we're looking forward to this. I hope everybody enjoys it. We're going to get to the intro here, and then we'll see you in just a second. Welcome to the Three Beards Podcast. My name's Craig, along with Austin and Chris. Passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century. Let me out. Welcome to the show. We have got with us Mark Eddy. He's joining us to help us out as well with this one. Mark, how are you, sir? Fine. Thanks for thinking I know something. No, well, <laughs> always. <laughs> and so right here, we got him. So at this time, we are also bringing in, ah, he's got a beard. <laughs> Matt, Matt Hawthorne, how are you, sir? Uh, oh, God. Oh. Well, you said, you know, you were shy of beer tonight, so I thought I would step up a little bit, you know. Uh, well, we have, we appreciate it. Yeah, I know. I we, want this just for your show. Okay? Oh, that's, we're, we're honored. We're, yeah. we're honored. <laughs> I don't have the haggard wig on, thank God. All right, this thing's got to come up. One second. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we got exactly here. So, expensive. So we, we brought you on to talk about your brand new book that you teased with us last time, but you wouldn't give us an actual title or anything, but Monsters and Marine Mysteries, your latest one. So what what was the inspiration for you really behind this one? I mean, was it one individual story that really hit you and you're like, I got to make a book about this? Or was it just after a few of these instances happened, you're like, this is definitely a book? Well, over the course of writing uh, the Cronus Rising series, you know, my regular novels, I've done tons of research um, on marine life. And as I did that, I kept coming across information and sightings about everything from extant mosasaurs to Sasquatch, obviously, and everything in between. Mm -hmm. I had a, actually, over the course of my life, I had a couple of sightings myself. Uh, which are actually detailed in the book, but I ended up talking to more and more people that had seen incredible things, like the, uh, the UK guy that saw the corner of a cruise monster, which from his description, he believes, and I believe was a mosasaur 100 feet in length. So when you started, I started having all these, yeah, all these blog posts about these sightings and such, that after a while, I was like, yeah, I'm on the verge of a book here. 
Yep. So then I started actually actively seeking out people, and I met and interviewed some amazing people for you know for the book. I mean, people that had seen things that nobody knew about, that had been forgotten, stuff from the 70s even. Ooh. Nobody even knew these guys were still alive, okay? And some sightings that are historical sightings that it turns out were wrong. And I got to talk to the source, you know, people, somebody who was actually attacked by one of these sea creatures, and I got all the details. So everything is, it, it's just been a great thing. There's a lot of great data in there, a lot of great sightings, and it's, it's very compelling that there are things out there that, we haven't seen yet, or if we have, we're not around to tell about it. I'm waiting on Amazon. You can purchase this book on Amazon.com right now, which mine is, and it is on its way here. It'll be here tomorrow, myself, for everybody. We aren't as prepared as you normally are for some of these book interviews because this one just got released, and we had a cancellation, and I reached out to Max. I'm like, I've got a perfect opportunity, you know, if you could come on and you, you graciously said yes, you know, for some reason, I, we haven't scared you shave. off. <laughs> and and yeah. I didn't shave. I know. Mark, Mark didn't shave for you either. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, I just, just can't grow, can't grow a beard. <laughs> well, Craig, I've got uh, your ARC copy of Monsters and Marine Mysteries right here. So this oh, band awesome. will be in the mail for you. Okay. Awesome. And you want to take good care of this, believe me, because only like a half dozen of these were ever printed. That's going to sit on the shelf. And it's going to be signed. That adds at least five cents to the value. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Hey, if you can't make fun of yourself, you can't make fun of other people. So I always make fun of myself. No, it's... We've, we, one of those, I mean, we've, every time we've had you on here, it's, fan, you know, fantastic interviews. I mean, you're, the Kronos Rising books are fantastic. I just read Plague mm-hmm. and Diablo, and I said, and I really like, really like those because last time you told us that we needed to read those. And so I made sure I, I cracked into those. And that, that was, I got those on Kindle, but this one, I wanted to actually have a physical copy, but they're like, yeah, the soonest we can get it to you is, Thursday, so I'm like, ah, but I know Mark down there has done some studious, you know, speed reading of a couple chapters, so that way he could get... Olaf, know, I'm so sorry, yeah. I have to kill this cat one second. Well, yeah. <laughs> we got a cat murderer. <laughs> his, two, his two beloved cats, most of the time, beloved. Well, uh, you know, while we're w- waiting for Max to return, uh, okay, there we go. There it is. Yeah, there's s- some really neat info. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll have a chance to co- you know, get at least get started on s- some of the uh, fascinating information in this book. Oh yeah. I'm so, so sorry, guys. He likes to climb onto my Braviat's t- television on that's on the wall and tries to use it to jump onto my fossil display case, and it's a disaster waiting to happen. And I can't. I, you want me yelling and screaming at him, so I had to throw him out. No, yeah, no. I well, I forgot to introduce you as the owner of two Siberian cats. You know, yeah. I just well, while we're talking about your cats, I absolutely love Ava's new nickname too, Chunky Cheese. That one. Oh. Copyright, that's, Ava Hawthorne, yeah. 2021, all rights reserved. Yep. That is just chunky. Oh, man. And then just kind of a real random topic. For anybody that hasn't seen it, I absolutely recommend you go watch Resident Alien on Sci-Fi. It is a fantastic show. There is a little kid that somehow, you know, it when they say on the show, you know, names, you know, do, you know, when they give that little disclaimer about, you know, fictitious, you know, they don't. 
any resemblance to, you know, there's a little boy in there whose name is Max Hawthorne. I'm so, telling yeah. you, I, I, I felt like a dad all of a sudden. Again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the only thing I can think of, since obviously it's not a common name and I'm fairly well known, is there must be somebody, a screenwriter there that you know has read some of the books or something like that, you know. But yeah, it was, it was funny because I'm sitting there and she's like, I walk because I watch the show. And, and then the nurse goes, well, what about Max Hawthorne? I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, what? exactly. So very funny. It is a great no. show. I enjoy it. Yeah, it it is. It is for anybody that hasn't seen it. You definitely you definitely want to see it, and so that that's one. But you know, back back to the book. So this one, it was one of the things like you mentioned to me, and you also mentioned just here in the intro, that was really fascinating was that Carnival Cruise sighting, and that one it it was one because you always have in these sightings you always have one maybe a couple people that say this but when you have several people that see the same thing and i can't remember how many was there a, a lot of photographs and footage of this there was a half dozen well? people that saw it and the yeah. uh, employee of the cruise line took a, a picture of the creature as it veered off there mm -hmm. and started heading away from the ship it was like pacing them from the looks of things and uh after a while it lost interest and then it, it turned off um, and he took a picture of it as it was turning away and then he uh, got into a bit of a Donnybrook in the next port of call and his phone went bye-bye so that's why I had made it a point when I talked about this in an interview because he figures there's other people on that ship it was the Carnival Breeze this is back in 2014 Gulf of Mexico so if anybody hears this and you took a picture of some strange creature swimming beside your cruise liner you know, hit me up because I'd love to see those photos. Oh, abs absolutely. I mean, because it's one of those. Now, just based off the size, I mean, is that is that where you're going with, you know, almost like proof of, you know, this has got to be, you know, a really good chance of having as one of these creatures? Because I know with how little we've explored the oceans, I mean, the possibility of something like this, you know, slipping by, you know, is a real possibility. Well, um, Paul is the guy's name that I interviewed for it, and his based on his description, I mean, he said he only saw the head, neck, and upper back of the animal, because the rest of it was it was like near the surface to breathe, and the rest of it was kind of draped down, like a croc does when it comes up like that. It doesn't expose all of itself, you know. Yep. But uh, and that portion alone was at least fifty feet long. Jeez. So it was immense. Yeah. And he was able to get that size reference because they have these 37-foot lifeboats that were directly below there, but also they have drills where the, they're in the water. And he, from his position in the top deck there, he could see the lifeboats down there. So he knew what 37 feet was. And this thing was m just that portion was much, much bigger, one and a half time, times the size of one of those boats. So Wow. Yeah, he, he had all, some impressive details in his description. He said it was like a submarine coming up. You could see the water streaming off its back, and it, it was so, you know, it, well, we'll, we'll, this thing was massive, mate. I'm telling right. you, it was like the top <laughs> predator out there. It's going to eat a white shark and still be hungry. You know, that, now, that's... What's the, what's the possibility that, you know, because, uh, you know, one of those, obviously not seeing it, Mm -hmm. Has anybody thrown out the thing? Well, most likely it was just a whale, you know, because you oh, always have the naysayers that, you know, say mm -hmm, that, but it's just, but with your thing, typically mm -hmm. whales don't act in that behavior, you know, going right against, like right next, next to a cruise line like that. It was very 
uncetacean-like. I know that's not a word, but in terms of its behavior, it is now. everything. Um, the first thing is that it was bigger than a whale, as he put it. Um, and he'd seen whales beside the ship and at, by the bow and dolphins and whale sharks and sharks and so all this stuff. He'd been working on these ships and other ships for many years. So he had a lot of experience with that. I showed him photos of every possible whale I could think of, beet whales, sperm whales, blue whales, whale sharks, basking sharks, you know, and he was like, no, Mike, no, 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 you know. So, but um, the thing that struck me as odd was that, first thing is that when it came up for air, a whale spouts. You know what I mean? Like they hold compressed mm -hmm. water vapor in their lungs. When they come up, it's loud. You could hear it from a mile away. It's like this big cone of compressed vapor comes out like that, makes a lot of noise. This thing didn't do that. He said when it came up for air, the head, the water all around its head just turned white, which of oh. course would be millions of tiny of bubbles because its head was so big that you know they look tiny, just turning the water white all around it. It inhaled and then it put its head and neck back under, but its back was still just breaking the surface. And when I was doing my research, I looked at like how crocodilians and sea turtles surface, and that's what they do. They get near the surface and they start to release bubbles of air. They don't blow like a whale does. There's no spout, see? So that suggests a reptile just to begin with. It was also very fast because the cruise line's average speed is like 22 miles an hour, and this thing was able to keep pace with it with no problem. Now, I thought at first it might have been a squid because there are sightings of, of immense squid, but he's like, no, no. And he told me flat out. That, and, and it breathed. You know what I mean? So, And also he, the head, he said the head looked like that, a head of an immense alligator. So it was, wow. uh, you know, something to see. I wish I'd seen it. Well, you, you know, right there, you're already, you know, you're already in your wheelhouse. You know, you're like, oh, my God, Cronus Rising is real. <laughs> <laughs> well, he asked me if I thought it was a pliosaur, and I didn't. Because yeah. the way it was moving, the water around it was, like, bubbling up or churning a bit. But he never saw flippers that were propelling it, which suggests that it was propelled by a caudal fin. You know, like an alligator with its tail back and mm -hmm. forth, which, again, sounds motionless or like. Because whatever was propelling it was beneath the surface, draped down, and it wasn't visible. So, but uh, mosasaurs yeah. got a lot bigger than, than people think. I personally, okay, right now I'm in possession, own a fossil that is about to prove that mosasaurs grew to at least 85 feet in length. And I'm not kidding. People have been like, oh, there's no record of that or this and that. That means nothing. You know, I mean, we know only about 3% of all species that ever existed from the fossil record is the estimate. 3%. That means 97% are lost and forgotten with no fossils and a lot of big you know like pliosaurs for example are known from a fragmentary you know portion of one skeleton some of them or even an occasionally in a, just a single bone or something like that see and that's insane because if you think about it if these animals were as let's say or mosasaurs for example were as common as sperm whales which at one point were there several hundred thousand of them. And for millions of years, there were hundreds of thousands of these animals living their lives, living their lives, living their lives at any given moment, a couple hundred thousand of them, and they're all gone. And we have fossils from one, two, you know, it's insane. So anyway, point being though, yeah, I, I'm sitting on it. And the species, the genus, I'm sorry, is Prognathodon. And this is going to be proven to be the largest mosasaur species, period. And it is also going to be potentially the largest marine predator, period, which is very wow. exciting stuff. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. I love when you're posting, you know, with Facebook, you can go 
Um, you can see it's, it's Marine. It, it's the Monsters and Marine Mysteries, I think, is what you changed the page to. The, the name group of is, uh, is yeah. Maxwell Barnes Monsters and Marine Mysteries, but there's also the Cronus Rising novel series is the main fan page. The one I frequent most, though, is Monsters and Marine Mysteries because it's yeah, more, cause, you know, obviously you can only do so much. So and admin, you you have yeah, and you have you, I love it because like through your stuff, you're showing different you know different pictures that you have of your fossils too, and that's what I said. It's like you'll always have these. Things. I'm like, oh God, look at the size of that. You know, just. When you bring up this tooth, you know, like, what, I think was it you that posted that one with a tooth comparison? Um, about a week or two back, I posted a couple of ginormous prognathodon crowns, tooth crowns that I own. And this wasn't to show how big the giant one was, but this is to show people that just from that alone, there's proof that prognathodon grew to 50 feet just from those fossils, just from those teeth. Wow. See? And in the books, they say like, oh, 10 meters, 12 meters, 40 feet. No. No, and these aren't even the biggest teeth, see? So, I mean, right there, you know, that puts it at the top tier of known mosasaurs in terms of size. But what I got coming is going to blow people away. So, you can forget you, the megalodon shark is going to be wearing a dress. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I'm just showing some of the pictures that you have here on your site, chronosrising.com, you know, of this. Oh, that's uh, the, a drawing the, that um, that actually the witness did. He drew that sketch of the thing swimming next to the ship. He's, you know, not an artist, obviously, but... <laughs> well, I'm going to get beat up now. Watch. Yeah, uh, uh, Max, I, 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 go, ahead, go ahead, Chris. So did he say exactly what happened to his phone? I knew that had to be the worst day of his life. He said there was a, a bit of a scrap in a bar, and, you know, uh, things happen. So I don't know if he had to like leave the bar suddenly and his phone was left behind, you know, if it was uh, fell out of his pocket and got stepped on and crushed. I have no idea. All I know is he said to me that, you know, you know something happened in a bar and, you know, and all this stuff. He's a great guy. I love him to death. But, uh, you know, it's uh, I wish I had that photo. That wish phone. we had wish we had cloud storage then. I'm sorry. I said, I wish we had cloud storage then. You know, you store it to the cloud and you can always go back and yep. get it. Yeah. Well, this was 2014, so seven years ago. I don't think they had that back then, did they? No. I think it was yeah. just really starting to um, really come into use. It wasn't really prevalent like it was now where you just, you basically get it and everything. It's just, you're like, how did I save 17 copies to whole different locations? I just downloaded the picture now and it's just, it's like automatically saves everywhere. You know, Google's already, you know, already thought ahead of what you're going to do with this picture and has already came up with something for you. Mm -hmm. it's, yes. Yeah, it's, it's scary. I know. I, I love the ones where, like now, just because I did this, I'm going to get nothing but Amazon ads for your book, which you're, you're going to love. <laughs> so, which is great. Everyone so, should do that. Everybody, yeah, should be, every, and everybody <laughs> click. When you get the Amazon ad for, you know, Kronos Rising or, you know, for the Monsters and Marine Mysteries, click. Just click it. Just click it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drive clicks. Yeah. Okay. Pays the bills, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, just that, going through. Now, Mark, you had a question. Yeah. Um, Max, you, you, you know, we just saw the drawing of an eyewitness's uh, recollection of the Carnival Cruise monster. Um, yeah, you cover 
1924 account, eyewitness account of um, a decaying carcass being eaten by a bunch of critters, um, Viking reports. Uh, If we look at this long time span, um, I'm sure uh, Olaf the Viking uh, or Cat saw something. Are, Are there Report, are there reports, reports of, of creatures being sighted like this? Yeah. Or do do you find what was documented, uh, you know, reliable? And you are kind of figuring out, uh, you know, okay, considering the latitude, if you know, it's Vikings, you know, uh, uh, by Norway or so, uh, they most likely would have seen. This kind of uh, shark eating, you know, like orca eating you know, salmon or something like that. It, it, do, 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 do you find that these uh, documented accounts are actually pretty reliable? The like nine headed serpents, a little you know, embellishment, but you know, do, do you th- really think they saw something? Well, I know there are reports that go back a long time from Russian whalers that mm-hmm. have seen 100-foot-long creatures that sound match this description. Usually they're like a dark brownish or something and then lighter, like yellowish underneath, that they've seen harassing pods of whales. And I believe that's because the animal is looking for to get its hands on a calf, something that it could swallow whole. See, so it wants to get something small enough because their teeth aren't always, depending on species, um, aren't designed to rip and you know take giant chunks out or tear prey apart. Some mosasaurs are, some aren't. So if it's something more like a Tylosaurus, where it's more episcivore, it would be looking to get its hands on a calf, something you know, 15, 20 feet long, that it could manage to gulp down in one piece. So that would make sense for it to be harassing whales. But I think the most compelling historical Uh, documentation of this would be the Monongahela incident, which took place in the 1800s, where a whaling vessel actually, according to them in the captain's log, harpooned and killed one of these animals. I believe it was 103 feet long was the measurements. They took all these detailed measurements of the carcass, how many teeth it had. Uh, You know, they detailed the fact that it had a tongue like a snake, which was very compelling because now we believe that they had that. And what I found the most compelling was well, two things. When they cut it open, they found that it had lungs, and one lung was longer than the other, which is present in some species of snake, and mosasaurs are closely related to snakes, especially boids. But also, they described its tail as having a flat, like, caudal fin back there, flat, firm cartilage at the end, which is like what we know now they had hypocursal tails, and nobody knew this in the 1800s. This came out just in the last 10 years or so that some species of mosasaur had tails like sharks, but inverted. So these guys actually describe this, and that's very compelling, because how would they possibly know that if they didn't kill and butcher and process this animal like they would a whale? So, Yeah, well, I'm just as you're describing that, I mean, doesn't it kind of, in a way, lend so much 
more validity to all the reports of the sailors that would claim to see sea serpents. Oh, definitely. You know, the images, because, yeah, go ahead. Hmm. And you wouldn't see, like, an animal like that, since it's not going up and going, and saying, here I am with a giant spout. I mean, some whale spouts are 20, 30 feet high. You could see them, you know, from the horizon. These things are much stealthier. So if, if they still exist, and it's possible they do, you know, an animal like that is going to be much stealthier. It's just going to come up. All you're going to see is a hump of its back or something at most, and you'll think, oh, that was a whale. I mean, the only reason these guys on the ship saw it is they were 200 feet in the air looking straight down at it, and he only saw it because people called him over and said, hey, what, what kind of animal is that? Because they didn't know. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, and it's um, somewhat related to your answer. Was um, you know in uh, like the eighteen seventies, um, twenty thousand leagues came out, and you know the squid. Um, a huge squid uh, attacked the Nautilus, mm-hmm. um, it, and in, in your book, you're uh, saying that well, photos and videos um, just came out of some of these uh, almost, you know, probably the same creatures that. Uh, you know, Jules Verne was writing about uh, 150 years ago. Uh, you know, and these photos were just taken, what, 10, 15 years ago. You know, they're fa- fairly recent, uh, you know, with the technology that's been invented. Um, it, it, it just seems like what is being documented now is actually pretty accurate to um, what Compared was to what report. Jules Verne came up with. Well, yeah, you know, just it, it, what uh, Blackbeard and you know, so, some of the other sailors, and uh, you know, all, all these other you know people, uh, Columbus, you know, all, all the people that saw, I uh, kept, kept you know a captain's log. Um, mm-hmm. There's been many captain's logs. In fact, I entered a bunch of them in the book when I was discussing things like how there appears to be a species of ginormous, I know it's not a real word, but maybe it is now, uh, sea turtle out there. And uh, I believe that this species of mega turtle, as I call it, which was filmed by a a gentleman named Gary LaMotta back in 1969, is actually the super predator the creature that chased down an H shark alpha in the Bremer Canyon of Australia years back. So when I was researching that, I looked for historical sightings and I found oodles of them. I put a handful in the book, but there was one where, which I think people have always been mistaken about this historical sighting. And I don't remember the name of the ship. It might've been the Osborne or something like that where they saw it from, but they described a series of these like dark, like four to six foot, like spike looking things moving along the surface. And then all of a sudden the front flippers and head and upper back of this gigantic, like 40 foot turtle appeared out of the water flailing at the air and stuff. And everybody thinks that that was part of the same animal. And it wasn't. My research suggests that that was a pod of orcas, the fins, and they Mm. came across this enormous turtle. And then they decided to either have some fun or make a meal out of it. And they jumped Mm. it. 
and they grabbed it by the hindquarters. Obviously, you'd want to avoid the business end, unless you're, uh, you know, a little daft. You know, a turtle that size has a beak that could shear through just about anything. And they ripped it apart, probably grabbed it by the hindquarters and pulled and tore at it, etc. I think eventually it went under and disappeared. But in the book, I actually have a photo of an orca doing that to an extensy turtle, where you'll see the exact same thing, where it pulls it down. And the front of the turtle is flailing out of the water. And that matches exactly the drawings of the witnesses from this yacht mm-hmm. that saw this sighting. So that's got to be what it was. A bunch of big killer whales out there, big pod. They said, ooh, uh, let's have some fun here, guys. You know, orcas can be a little uh, unpleasant and playful and malicious and lots of other things. So yeah. a turtle that size would have a hard time. Yeah, and, and, and you know, have the um, 1850... Uh, Sea serpent and humpback whale <clears throat> uh, battle, and you know we get the, almost the same type of situation from uh, like eighteen twenty that you know the captain uh, documented a albino whale that uh, Herman Melville turned into one of the greatest American uh, novels, Moby Dick. But it, you know, it, it, it's it, it really seems like a lot of these um, uh, you know, the captain's logs are j- just really uh, 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 giving us a, a wealth of information f- from that time period. Yeah. Should I answer that person's question that I see on the screen? Yeah, there? yeah. if you want to. I was just getting ready to ask it for you. Yeah, I was about to read it out. I was going to ask yeah. you. Go for it. Miss um, Sampson wants to know, do, do you believe in Loch Ness Monster exists? Um, I think there's been a lot of historical sightings. I don't believe that all of them are this, but I believe that a large number of them are sightings of Wells catfish. And the reason for that is that oh. There are several classical sightings of the Loch Ness Monster involve a description of a creature on the shore in the mud that sounds exactly like a catfish. It was the size of a man flailing around, squirming back in the water. I've seen catfish come into the shallows to hunt. Wells catfish will spring out of the water to take pigeons. I'm sure we've all seen the videos of that. Um, so a Wells catfish can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and they get big. I mean, they can be five yards long, some of them. They're very serpentine-looking in terms of their shape, etc. And people have stocked them all over Europe. So even though the waters of Loch Ness are too cold for them to spawn, that doesn't mean that there can't be some very large, old catfish still in there, cruising around, feeding on other fish, etc. And they're very hard to find because they usually come out at night. During the day, like when they do those sonar scans and stuff like that, uh, a lot of wells will hole up under fallen trees, timber, stuff like that. They just sit there, sometimes clusters of them. So that in and of itself is suggestive of, of some of the sightings there. And when they spawn, you're going to have one female followed by multiple males, which could even explain multiple humps. So I don't think that answers all the questions about what's being seen, but I think some sightings are enormous wells catfish. So. And then I, I'm going to apologize. You know, I don't want to mispronounce it. It's either Aliona or Aliona. Um, she has a question. You know, I recently saw a post about the whales breaching themselves in big numbers. Do you think this was them running 
from an immense predator down there, or do you think there was something a la DARPA? Because I know that's been the big rumor is that DARPA experiments, you know, are causing, you know, the causing dolphins, whales, you know, regret to end up beaching themselves it, due to it, their effects from these weapons. You have prehistoric examples of of that, so it wouldn't be DARPA. Yeah. So, well, um, to answer Aliona's question, and it's funny because when Cronus Rising first came out, I had um, shared a video on one of my fan pages, which showed hundreds and hundreds of dolphins, all porpoising, as that's what it's called, at the same time. Okay. And I suggested that there was a predator responsible, and, and some ninny was like, oh, that's ridiculous. They just do that because they're enjoying themselves, and it's you know standard behavior. But most recently, we've had videos of them doing that, and then killer whales have surfaced beside them and behind them. So the odds are they're doing this just like zebra do, to try and merge their colors, etc., and avoid being targeted. They want to confuse a predator. Even if it has sonar, it's hard to focus and zero a single target when hundreds of them are doing the same type of movements like that. See? Ooh. So, yes, I believe that quite often when we see that, there could be something that when orca comes to the surface, so we know it's a killer whale, but it could be something that doesn't need the surface or can stay under a lot longer that is following onto them, and they're doing that to try and reduce the chances of being picked off. That makes sense. Okay, so yeah, so that, that's gazelles that's do that when lions go after them and stuff too. So that you know, yeah. springboks and all that. Yep, jump into the water just to be taken by a crocodile. That yeah, well that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the lesser evils? I don't know. I, I, it's always like it's always like this one. You it, you don't want to laugh, but actually you know in a way it just it's that morbid part of you that laughs when you see the poor people that have they've rehabbed some bird or something like that and they go to release it and then the hawk swoops down and just snatches it out of the air you know and then yeah. flies away and you're just like mother nature is a cruel mistress sometimes i mean it's just my god i just it's like what do you do it's like you tr you know i mean i guess you give yourself some credit for trying but man <laughs> yeah definitely oh, no i was so one of the ones like, you know, we teased it a little bit, you know, about, about too is, and you mentioned it to me, you have a story uh, possibly about something that's, you know, a well-known cryptid that was out for a, out for a swim. Mm. You know, it's funny because at the time I had no idea what I saw. I mean, this was almost 30 years ago and I wasn't familiar with Sasquatch or anything else like that. But uh, I'll try and do the Cliff Notes version of this. So my family, we used to have a, uh, a house on the lake, Candlewood Lake, up in Connecticut, Danbury, for many years. My grandfather actually had built the house. Um, and so I would go up there for huge portions of the summer, you know, take the boat out, fish the lake, you know, so forth and so on. And um, I get, like I said, it was close to 30 years ago. I went up with two of my brothers there. And we decided to get up early in the morning and go fish a lake called Squants Pond. And Squants Pond is a state park. Um, it's a, maybe a two-mile-long, fairly wide lake. And it's actually part of Candlewood Lake proper. Candlewood's big. It's got like 50 miles of coastline. And so this is really part of Candlewood. But the uh, Corps of Engineers, they built a roadway between the two parts of the 
thing a causeway and they piled up tons of like stones and gravel or whatever to form like a little one or two lane road that people can drive along through there on their way to one town to the other um in order to keep the lakes together though they installed i i don't know what you would call it but it's like a there's a big steel and concrete like a tube i guess you'd say like a big giant sewer drain that connects the two lakes under the causeway so if you swam under you could go from one lake to the other okay and um because of this there's a lot of crayfish in, in these stones and stuff so a lot of times you'll get some bass like smallmouth bass and largemouth bass that'll come around at certain times of day near the causeway so we decided to go there and in the morning and fish it uh, we went there very early i mean we got there it was pitch black out and by the time we got there it was the crack of dawn and we actually weren't sure we were going to go because it had rained all night i mean it was really a crappy night but it cleared up in the morning except that everything was gray and hazy and the whole sky was gray with clouds and such but at least there was no wind so we figured okay we'll give it a shot so we got to the lake and uh when you're there you have to kind of park at a nearby parking lot and then hike in a little bit and then you're kind of stuck standing or sitting on these rocks on this slope like this it's fairly steep it's not very comfortable, but anyway, so we were out there fishing, and we brought out some live shiners with bobbers, and we were catching nothing. I mean, it was it was a bad decision because the water was so stained. It was like coffee from all the runoff and such. You know, the odds of getting a fish, you'd have to hit him right on the head practically to get a strike. So we fished, I don't know for how long, half an hour or an hour, whatever it was, and then Tweedledee and Tweedledum my brothers yeah i'm talking about you guys if you're watching but anyway they decided yeah they wanted to go up and they were going to cross the little road and they go on the other side of the causeway and fish the candlewood side see because it's like that okay and i figured well go ahead i'll stay here i figured haha you guys are going to be going as soon as they're gone i'm going to catch this huge fish and they're going to look stupid you know brother sibling rivalry whatever okay so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and there's nothing and there's nothing and there's nothing. And I hear this splashing sound and I look and I see something, I don't know, maybe a hundred or more feet out. It comes up to the surface and then it goes under again. And then like 30 seconds later, it comes up again and it goes under again. It's a little closer this time. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, this is some sort of animal and it looked fairly large. You know, I figured this is a fish. This is a big fish. You know, this could be my, my baby here. And as it got... A bit closer, I started realizing that it was hairy. It had like reddish brown hair covering it. So, if my gut reaction was, okay, it's a muskrat. Nah, it's too big. It's a beaver. Nah, too big for a beaver. And then I, as it got a little closer, I started seeing it. The, the part that kept coming up was a head. And it was dome shaped, like the size of a basketball or something like that, and covered with wet fur. And so I'm looking, I'm like, what is that? You know, I'm like, and then I, as I was a little higher up, I looked, I could see like it was kind of, when it would come up under the surface, it was stretched out a bit. And I was like, that's not a deer. And then I started trying to convince myself that it was an Irish setter because it was about five feet long, what I was seeing, you know, and yes, it yeah. makes sense, you know, the size, somebody's got a big Irish setter and it's out swimming in the lake, which made no sense to be honest, because the head portion that I was seeing was the kind of dome shaped. It did not look like a dog's head. It wasn't a deer's head or anything like that. And it was keeping parts of its head, like its face submerged. So I'm like, what the heck? you know, like, I'm like, what am I looking at here? You know, you're just like staring at it and it would get a little closer and get a little closer each time it would go under 
and it would come up again. And I think with all the rocks, it was eating crayfish. It would dive down, you know, move some rocks, grab a crayfish or two, eat them, come back up for air, go back down, etc. Which makes sense. And eventually I started seeing what looked like legs behind it, and it was using these to swim, but it didn't swim like a person. There was no, you know what I mean, flutter kick. It was like the legs moved together, like this. Like if you were wearing a mermaid costume or something like that. So if this was a Bigfoot, maybe they swim like keeping their legs together like a cetacean or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but um, So I'm watching this thing, and I'm fascinated. And I didn't, I wasn't afraid, even though it was working its way gradually closer and closer to me, you know. So I thought, I got to get a better look at this thing. So I like start going up, like backing up the hill a little bit. I want to get a higher vantage point to, you know, to look down at it. And at this point, I think it was about when this happened, it might have been 50 feet away. I mean, uh, it's a guess. It's a long time ago. But as I did that, I dislodged like some, some of the rocks and it must have, you know, become much more aware of me, let's say, and it submerged suddenly when that happened. And as it submerged, it broke the part of it broke the surface I hadn't seen before, and I distinctly saw a shoulder, an upper arm, an elbow, a forearm, like this. So that part, all this came up out of the water like that, and then it went under, and it was covered with fairly long hair, which was obviously streaming water, and it went under, and I'm like. Well, that didn't look right. You know, you're like, what the heck am I looking at? You know, and unless somebody has an orangutan that lives on the lake and they let their orangutan out and it goes out swimming and eating crayfish and stuff like that. And I don't think orangutans are very good swimmers. Okay. You know, I I had no idea what it was. So at this point, it it, it accelerated once it went under because it was aware of me and there was nobody on the lake. It was like glass like fog and glass and whatever. And it, it went under and it's sort of heading for that big pipe that separates the two lakes. And I couldn't see it, but I could see the disturbance like in the dark water as it went through. So I run up and I almost got clipped by a car and I ran across the road and went down the other side. You know, I was very excited. And I grabbed my brothers. I'm like, look, look. I said, there's a hairy red thing. I said, and it just, it swam through the pipe. It's going to come through right now, right now. Watch, watch. They're standing there like, uh-huh. I'm like, it has arms. I'm telling you, it has arms. Like this. And this thing must have been faster than me because by the time I went up the thing, crossed the road, came down the other side, nothing happened. Like, I didn't see anything. And then a few seconds later, they were all about, I don't know, 50 or 75 feet that way. On the embankment there, there was all these lily pads, you know, like ideal bass ter- fishing territory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like lining the shoreline and there was something in the lily pads there was like crashing and thrashing moving through the lily pads and it could have just been a big fish you know or something feeding on frogs or whatever but i think that was it i think it was in there at that point concealing itself whatever it was and it then we didn't see it but it's a shame because i was like come on guys let's cast for it you know 50 bucks for whoever snags the hairy red thing (laughs) i want to know what would have happened if you had caught it you know just all of a sudden you see max crankbait yeah, Imagine. he's he's going to be sitting here skipping across the water. It would have been like <laughs> trying to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just scared the heck out of one of the cats doing that. Sorry, sorry, Mace. But um, the fluff man is upset now. He thought that was like some sort of I don't know what, like a giant bee or hawk or I don't know what. But um, it's dad doing the cat scare thing. You know, yeah, he was on the there. You know, watching like creatures he loved to eat in the dark. But um, yeah. So I mean, like. 
you know, I, I don't know. And then, like, recently when I was researching the book, this was, you know, there is a precedent for this type of thing. I looked up that lake and sightings and stuff, and I found, like, something from, like, 1918. What we lost that? Chris. I don't, I don't know. I, I, the, the hairy tornado. red thing got him. Yeah. The, the red know. thing got him, the hairy thing. But, um, and there was a, a newspaper report from like 1918 where it said two fishermen on the lake, that lake, reported seeing a hairy wild child, as they called it, you know, playing yep. in the water. And I asked, child. yeah, and I asked like uh, Shannon LeGros from Into the Fray told me that's what they used to call creatures like that when they would cite them because the term Bigfoot Sasquatch wouldn't be coined for another 40 or more years or something. So, you know, it said in the newspaper, it said, Harry Wildchild spotted, you know, fishermen spot Harry Wildchild. What happened? Did we lose everybody? Oh. Nope, nope, you're there. Hold on, I gotta let let Mace out. I'm, oh, you're I'm good. So yeah, sorry. no. Just so. two seconds. Random thing, you know, God, that would, wasn't that something, though? All of a sudden, I'm just sitting there watching and it looks like Chris just got, you know, taken out by... <laughs> oh, this camera just fell. Like, what happened? Oh, for anybody that's listening that can't see, also we're just sitting there talking with Max. He's recanting the story, and then it just—it looks like somebody took a baseball bat to Chris's setup. It just went flying, and I'll see just—you just see everything just start rolling around. But anyway, yeah. So Max, Max is back. He has chased a cat. Um, one of the Siberian no, no, tigers is the, loose. The, the more calm cat wanted to be let out because I locked my doors so that the village idiot. The destroyer of worlds, okay, can't come in here and destroy my world. You can't imagine. Yeah, it's it's his own version of Siegfried and Roy. He's got his two Siberian tigers. He goes out when one's calm, the other one's chaos. Yeah, that's him right there. That's Olaf. See on the on the yeah. mug. So, and no, that's not my mug either. I stole it from somebody in the house, but you know whatever. <laughs> Ava, did you use my mug? No, I think that's her mother's actually. Ah, yeah. So there, there you go. No, I get my mug. No, but, but I saw one, you on video. I'm just just based off of your writing style and the way you do it. So I'm really looking forward to once this book actually get here gets here tomorrow, so I can start going through it. But just from the excerpts I've seen, from even some of the, some reviews of our people have absolutely loved this book, which is you know a huge compliment, especially for something that's just coming out. And you're already getting people that are just like fantastic work. It's very informative. Yeah. And you have, uh, I mean, it's uh, not. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, I, no, I was just gonna say uh, you have a lot of photos and in, in, in like the uh, whale that has the uh, the bite. Yeah, the bite mark out. Mm-hmm. In, uh, you know, towards the uh, tail, and then uh, you have a drawing of where a uh, chunk was taken out of another whale's tail. It gives you the 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 photos you include gives the reader a uh, idea of the enormous size of some of these um, predators. Yeah, yeah, predators. Well, I'll say this: I by the time I finished all the research and all the people I spoke to and all the evidence I collected. I will say that I'm 100% convinced that the great white shark, Carcharodon carcarius, does, at least at times, exceed 25 feet in length. Uh, I have a guy who measured bite marks, one of which was 
like 38 inches high. That's a gigantic white trail again, 27 inches across. So Lord. using the most, con- yeah, using the most conservative formulas out there, because um, I wanted to be as conservative as possible. It still came to like 25.6 feet or something like that for that one. And this is feeding on a dead whale. So it's not a, an old bike that stretched or anything like that. This is fresh, you know, but uh, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you did just sound like uh, Matt Hooper. Hooper drives the boat, Chief. Let Hooper take a turn. Yeah, is it, it was the way you pronounced uh, you know, the Latin term for the great white shark. Ah, oh. yeah. Oh yeah, he was sleeping with Brody's wife in the book, I understand. But, uh, I was like, a 25-foot great white. Dude, that's, that's going to swallow me in one bite. Just mm, Probably gone. be some chewing involved, unfortunately. But yeah, but, the... Uh, uh, He's got to see around, Greg. I was really, you know, I got some incredible imagery from a lot of great people. Simon Pierce, he let me use photos he took of a 40-foot whale shark that had a four-foot chunk taken out of it, which that is in the book. And then uh, Kurt Jenner from the uh, Center for Whale Research, he gave me access to those photos of that 69-foot pygmy blue whale that he was mentioning that has an enormous scar on its peduncle. Um so we, I was able to like really get in there, and, and I, I believe that we have firm evidence that there is some sort of macro predatory shark out there that's at or around forty feet in length. Don't know if it's a great white or maybe uh, you know Otodus uh, chubutensis, which is a, rel- a relative of the extinct Megalon shark, but you know it could be a mutated white shark that just grows to freakish proportions once in a while, or it could be some holdover from the Miocene. Don't know. Yeah, Ron. Ron asked, you know, how are these, cre- you know, how are these creatures in freshwater lakes? Well, the hairy red thing was a pretty good swimmer. I can tell you that much. Um, there's not. I'm not sure if there's a lot of freshwater stuff that I covered in there. A lot of it is saltwater, marine stuff, etc. I did cover um, an incident where there's a, a lake whose location I will not get into, but that has um, evidently. Uh, somebody released some tropical fish in this lake that they shouldn't have. You know, things that are, are from other countries that get much bigger than their, you know. And yep. there is a lake that I fished at where I believe they have uh, snakehead in there that are like impossibly big. I mean, the bite, I, I had a shad, and there's a photo of it in there, a big shad, and a giant tooth bite taken out of it that is exactly that of a really large snakehead and there was an incident with my dad and I on there in there which I detailed in the book and I believe there's also a giant freshwater stingray in that lake unless it's dead already or old age but uh, we saw something that strongly suggests that you know those are from the same place so if you have giant snakehead in your aquarium then it doesn't go as big of a stretch if somebody also had a baby freshwater stingray in there and the things started getting bigger they got bored with them and they said oh, i'll just dump them in this local lake you know mm-hmm. and then next thing you know they get bigger and bigger and bigger and they become like the apex predator of their tiny little ecosystem let's say and that's how a lot of lake monster things are you know stories are born but uh there there's some stuff out there yeah i mean i can i can see it you know because i mean salmon you know they they they'll even do salt water to freshwater i mean so it's it's you know you Nature can adapt to living in both both water environments, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't it wouldn't be the least bit surprised, you know, that after time, I mean, it's like some of these would survive, 
they said being tossed out there because they said you're going to a lake out in the middle of the mountains you're not expecting to you know catch a snakehead Mm-hmm. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be something that's going to freak you out when you see, and all of a sudden here's these massive fangs sticking out of this thing. You're like, what the hell is this? Well, snakeheads are quite dangerous to other fish because they're capable of taking down fish as big as them and just biting them in half. They, their teeth are like a bear trap, and when they bite down, they just take out giant chunks and stuff. And God. you know, it, it's hard for other predators to compete with them. The only freshwater fish I think we have that could would be you know, very adult muscalunge pike maybe that type of thing and even then they're very quick very aggressive so don't belong here there was yeah, an no, article that's... that came out a couple months ago that um i think our fwc didn't care how you killed them if you found one kill it yeah they have a it's they, they're really trying to call them to get them under control there's worries that they're going to get into the great lakes and everything else it's a big problem you know these fish are uh they're survivors. The northern snakehead can survive cold water, much colder than the giant snakehead. But uh, there's nothing to stop them once they really start, you know, once they get a, get a foothold, let's say. So Florida, you know, you know what's going on down there. Burmese pythons, as many of them as there are people at this point, probably. Oh, my God. Those say they've got some ana- anacondas down there recently. Iguana- Nile Iguana crocs. Just walk ar- Iguanas just walk along South Beach, like... Mm-hmm. Just because they were brought here and they just walk along there. Oh, I, I was in Boca Grande the last time I went down there to fish, Florida. And uh, my wife and I, we park in this uh, sandy parking lot. And we're, we're getting out of the vehicle, the rental. You know, there's a little dock there where our charter's waiting. And there's a restaurant, a lot of sand, white sand, beautiful. And there's all these lizards, like night animals, all the place. And all of a sudden, this huge monitor lizard. Uh, it was almost as long as me, but thick. It just comes out of the between two cars, and it just kind of like saunters by, wah 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 wah, and then it goes into the shrubs. And I'm staring at it, and I'm looking. I'm like, "Did you just see that?" You know, she's like, "Yeah." It's like, you know, what is this Jurassic Park? I mean, these things are everywhere. You know, <laughs> that that's not a native species, whatever it was, water monitor or Nile monitor. I don't know what it was, but it was not North American. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I wasn't about to grab it, you know. I oh, need come my on! For, I need these. For, <laughs> was that like yeah. your former guide? You know, when he was out there, you know, with the was it with the grouper? Oh gosh, Bucky! That, when I had a giant grouper next to the boat. Yeah, yeah, that was the biggest bony fish I think I've ever seen in my life. My God! <sighs> Imagine a fish big enough to eat a grown man. I mean, that's how big it was. You know? Yeah, that's. Yeah, went, once the last time you were on, you told that story about some of these groupers. Like, you know, you could be swimming around there; it could just come up and swallow you. I, you, you've you've emotionally and mentally scarred me from there. You know, because every now and then, when I go to the pier, I'm thinking, "Is this the moment? <laughs> Is this the moment that group Max's grouper just comes out of nowhere?" I told you they have teeth. First off, which people don't yeah. realize, it's not like a bash. If you lip a grouper, you're you're going to be minus a thumb. Okay, but my uh, one of my guides, he had. On his forearm here, he had a scar that went from here to here and on the other side, like that. Looked like Pac-Man had grabbed him. And uh, he's like, see that? He goes, yeah, 300 pounds are taking the hook out, crunched down on me, ripped, bit the muscles right off the bone. I was like, whoa. And he's like, yep, it was like like 140 stitches, and that's just on the outside. And then I was like, what did you do? He goes, well, I canceled the charter. I'm like, 
Yeah, he goes, <laughs> and then I duct taped it together because duct tape, you know, fixes everything. He's like, I'm like, my God, oh. he's like pouring blood. He goes back to the dock. His wife meets him to take him to the ER. He shows her, he cuts off the tape, and she fainted right there <laughs> on the dock. Boom, just fainted, fell, you know, because it was like all raw meat and just everything and shit and stuff. But how hardcore are you to cut that tape off? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's lucky. Here, that let he me show you. But, uh, and he was letting the fish go, but the fish, they're, they're, they can be very aggressive. And I always tell people, you know, if you see a big grouper coming towards you, you know, I don't buy that. Oh, they're just such curious creatures. Curious my ass. Okay. No, no, that no. grouper comes up to you. Okay. <laughs> he's looking at you like this. He's like, hmm, let's see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, not quite going to fit. Lose a few pounds. Come back and see me, you know. Oh but if they God. think you, they can get you in their mouth, they're going to try. People have been attacked by groupers. You've seen videos. They eat sharks. Yeah. And they're in the book, by the way. So Because I had one incident where I lost something that ate a grouper I was fighting that I don't know what it was. So. Yeah, it, it happens down here because, I mean, it just somebody just lost state record pompano. Mm-hmm. They, they, it was they, the chunk that was left. They, they said was five pounds. Mm-hmm. Was pompano, and a black tip had just come up. Right as he's pulling it in, just chomp, and just went away. And there's just this huge bite mark just right out of the fish, and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you don't want to go swimming in some of those waters. Believe me, if there's sharks out there eating, like when they follow the tarpon, and yep. when I say tarpon, here, so there's a tarpon right there. Okay, so. Yes. If you're like in water and there are bull sharks and hammerhead sharks that are eating those, and those are the size of a man, you don't want to be in the water when that's going on. I mean, what's to stop them from going, oh, look, a nice, slow, brightly colored tarpon yeah. wearing Nikes or something like that? Yeah, know? there's a nice, juicy Craig tarpon right there. You know, what happened to my leg? Yeah, <clears throat> no, it's, we got to get you down here for fishing because that's, I'm going. I'm getting surf fishing this weekend for the first time, so I'm gonna go try that. So, sweet. Yeah. So I'm. I'm gonna. That's gonna be. That's gonna be a lot of fun. You Is know, it bluefish? Um, pompano and the whitings probably is gonna be my luck. You know, and then of course I'll probably I'll probably snag a nice puff puffer. Or so I'll have to start, That would be. Yeah, I'll have to too. figure out how to get that that thing off of there while it's. <laughs> Uh, just to show you, since you mentioned surf fishing and stuff, and the first time I ever went surf fishing has got to be, uh, I was in my mid to late 20s, I think, or something. But um, And this is to show you I'm not embarrassed to humiliate myself on live on the air. So I was uh, fishing, it was in like Brooklyn um, like or something. They have like a like beach area out there. I forget the neighborhood. But uh, I had a bomber lure. I don't know if you know what a bomber is. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly good sized lure you can use it for salt water and stuff. I think it was all black or black up top and clear. And I was, you know, in water up to, let's say, my waist. I was winging it out there and, you know, working it back in, walking the dog, doing all that stuff. And after about 15 or 20 casts, I see something following the bomber, like maybe 10 feet behind it. And it comes up to the surface and then I see the fin. And it's a shark. Okay. And it's like working its way towards me and I'm, I'm retrieving as I continue to retrieve the lure. You know, the, I'm like, wait a minute, the lure's coming toward me. That means the shark is coming toward me. Why am I still reeling? <laughs> you know? So I oh. stopped reeling 
And right then, crabs have been nibbling on my ankles and toes like all day out there. Okay, right then the shark goes under, and then five seconds later, a crab grabs my ankle like that. I, of course, decide it's the shark, scream like a frightened schoolgirl, throw my fishing rod into the water, and turn and run on water back out. Of the and you got a crab on your leg, like. That was a good sized crab. It was a respectable crab. And my, and my then girlfriend, she's like, what, what's the matter? What happened? I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, nothing. I'm could could you go get my fishing rod? Yeah, it's it's <clears> right there. It was ruined. There was sand in the gears and all this stuff. It was terrible. Got a good question question here. Can you tell us something that isn't in the book? Something about a new monster that's been discovered? Gosh, Maybe a teaser uh, for your next for the sequel? For Monsters and Marine Mysteries, um, I don't. I think this for cryptid wise, this is probably a one off for me. To be honest, I've got a, a Cronus Rising book that I'm working on, um, which will nice. probably be out by the end of the year. And I'm also doing a horror thriller, which is unrelated, but uh, technically, although you know, it could be construed to be in the same universe as the Cronus Rising universe. Let's say, but uh, nice. I'm a busy boy. You know, I tell people I'm busier than a it's going to sound inappropriate, but then a one-breasted woman with quintuplets. Okay, yeah. I've got a lot on my plate. <laughs> oh man, that's an original quote. I'm busier <laughs> than a one-breasted one woman with quintuplets. But uh, so no, so no new, yeah, so no new monsters discovered, huh? This, uh, that you know of? Uh, no, I mean, I uh, I was going to make a mother-in-law joke, but I'm going to pass on it because I've already said too much. <laughs> <laughs> That would be an old monster, anyway. Very old. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, not that I'm aware of. I, I mean, there's been some Nessie sightings recently that've been in the news and whatnot. Um, but there is a lot of exciting fossil stuff going on, so they're always discovering new fossils and all that. Like I told you, I'm sitting on one hell of a fossil myself, so it's going to be very exciting when I, when the reveal comes for this bad boy. Yep. So, well, there, there. When do you think? Um, when are you looking at possible reveal for that again? For the oh gosh, I'm hoping by the end of the year, that's the okay. plan. So I'm putting so together a nice presentation on it. I don't know if there's going to be a formal paper or not, but uh, it's going to be very compelling. People are going to be like, "What?" You know, like, "Ah, no, exaggerating." No, I'm not. Okay, it is yeah. what it is. Suck it up. You don't like it too good. But Sorry. but you have uh, proof. That's in the fossil exactly. fossil record. There you go. That's the thing. So people, you know, like like there are always doubters out there like, oh, Mosasaurus never got larger than 13 meters and stuff like that. Well, well how do we know that? Were you back there 65, 70, 80 million years ago? You, did you measure all of them? You know? No. And any large apex predator, the bigger ones, their territory is automatically going to be further offshore. So the areas that we have that are now dry land, it used to be shallow seas, would not be occupied by the biggest, most dominant males, females, whatever, of any given species. I mean, think about it. When you see a sperm whale get beached, how big are they usually? 30, 40, sometimes 50 feet? I've checked the records. Yet Soviet whaling records prove they once reached 85 feet. Jeez. And we've never seen one that big beach itself, ever, see? animal that size has got the whole ocean it's in charge of. It can go where it wants and it's going to enjoy its territory. So there's no need for them to come into the shallows. 
Same thing applied to mosasaurs, pliosaurs, who knows what. Was it a sperm whale? Is that the one that they just had a video of the orcas taking it down? As a blue whale. Blue whale, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a huge blue whale. I think it was only like 55, 60 feet long, something like that. But I think. Still, that was a, a sub adult. I mean, it was just like a pack, you know, like sea wolves, you know, a pack of sea wolves. I mean, they just it floated right there and just, you just see them just milling around this thing. It's like, God, that's it's, incredible. It's horrible. And, and I mean, a blue whale is not a, a dumb animal, but orcas are, have huge brains. They're highly intelligent. They're pack hunters. They're organized. They use sonars. They communicate. There's, there's no escaping them, honestly. I mean, and a blue whale could swim at 30 miles an hour, but it couldn't get away. So yeah, and that's, they're they're that's, faster. That's that's just crazy how fast those things are. No, it's and there was, I think there was something else that there was. Um, I was going to bring up to you. It's just um, where people can get the oh, book. Yeah, well, no, was, <laughs> I just was, was. What happened to your th- third beard? He's he's out sick. So we have we have one who didn't shave and one who um, mysteriously went from having about a five foot long beard to suddenly nothing. In a matter of about thirty seconds. See, oh, and look at that magic—the magic of television is back. <laughs> Listen, I got this just for you guys. That's, okay? I know. And I, that's, I I'm honored. Be, I mean, did, I'm honored. Did, did, does that count as uh, a, 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 ro- a rota mask too? What? But I think it does. I mean, pretty much you can wear pretty much whatever you want, and I think it counts as a mask. That's a good rota yeah. mask. You I, I'm, I am rocking this thing, man. That's right. Ow! <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it. I remember I had a goatee, and I would always like be storing crumbs of food in my beard for later, you know, and stuff. That's didn't go over. Her, didn't Harlan go over well. Carolyn like, said that you resembled Howard Stern right there when you did that part. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. It's it is it takes some time because I, I won't lie. There are some times where all of a sudden you look like you you know you're just like you know it just it's like it itches. But the trick is just. You know, in the shower, there's beard soap. You know, you just keep it clean. You know, you put beard oil. You keep it nice. nice and it's beard just oil. after a while. That's uh, not, you're reminding me of that commercial. What's it for, with that insurance one where the guy's like, "Sorry about my beard and everything," and he has like nothing. And, yeah, you know the one yeah, I'm the, talking about. And they're yeah, like, Jamie. What? Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? He's just he, he's, yeah. It's just not. I think it's like one hair. You know, it's barely even any stubble. Do yeah. you know what a beard is? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> The oh my god! Coconut oil and yeah, it's no, it's, it it is. It's it's one of those. Just you do it after a while, after a while, you it gets you get used to it. I mean, it, it's that's a big thing. It's just and now, once once your significant other gets used to it too, like Becky, she won't let me shave it. Yeah, it's I, I even look. How much longer are we on for? Um, we're on for here maybe about another seven eight minutes. Okay, I'm going to be right back. All right. We will talk amongst ourselves. You didn't give us a topic, but we, we can handle it. Yeah, we can handle it. All right. So, everybody, but yeah, while he's there, um, we'll talk about it again. But you can go to chronosrising.com and you'll get more information on Max, everything about this new book. Amazon.com. Go pick this up Monsters and Marine Mysteries. It's his latest book. Mark has got it right there. Fantastic book. Um, like I said, just from a little bit. Like you, Mark. Mark. I mean, what what would you say to everybody right now? Is just your overall from what you've been able to read of it so far. What would you say? Oh, it's very informative. Um, the photos 
Oh, like nice. that one. Okay. Uh, DC. Gosh, this is terrible. No, it's uh, a- uh, you can see the bite mark. You know, the photos that Max uh, publishes in, in the book illustrate you know the points uh, about some of these um, un- oh thank God huge sizes uh, <laughs> and uh, now that Max is back uh, he got the uh, the Galapagos shark we can talk about uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, another really interesting uh, case study that uh, there's another photo of it but yeah, it, to um, me that's the firmest evidence so far of, of a shark exceeding 25 feet you know I was just let, letting the listener or, and viewers know you, you have samples from all Around the uh, a globe of yeah, I, I collected yeah, the, a ton of evidence. I didn't want to yeah. like slack or anything like that. You know, I mean, no. if, if a story is strikes me as like far fetched, but I'm giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, I say it. If it strikes me as something that I have an opinion that it, I think it could be this or that or something like that, um, then I put that in there also. You know, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fair evaluation. Yeah. I mean, for example, in the, the part where I'm talking about mega squid, I'm a firm believer based on anecdotal sightings that go back to the 1700s, 1800s that there are squid out there large enough to take whales. And they do. Okay. And this isn't a, just an incident of a sperm whale encountering a squid and being seen fighting on the surface. There's one where a humpback was attacked by a gigantic squid, which they thought was a sea serpent, wrapped around it and took it, dragged it under. Okay. Humpbacks don't hunt squid. Obviously, so this was a premeditated plan, predator prey relationship. Okay, but the uh, attack on the USS Stein, which took place, I think, in 1978, maybe I could be guessing the, the date wrong, but you're talking about a destroyer over 400 feet long out of San Diego that gets all of a sudden the, the ship shutters and comes almost to a stop, and then the sonar isn't working anymore. They can't get it to work, they have to go back in to the dock, and when they examine it, the sonar dome, which is like 26 feet across, and the picture of it is in the book, by the way. Um, it has all these slash marks on it, which contain claws from some unknown species of squid. And these claws are five times bigger than any known specimen of squid. Jeez. So, And it's, it's crazy, but this is actual physical evidence there. I mean, these claws did not you know, magically get created out of thin air or anything like that. I believe that the squid was swimming along and as the ship passed over it, the ship happens to be emitting active sonar, which is in the same range as a sperm whale does when it's hunting. The squid figured it was about to be attacked. It saw the dome and figured that was the head of the whale. That's where the sonar was coming from. It lashed at it, fastened itself onto it, etc. It was big enough and strong enough to shutter the whole ship. And then it realized, okay, this is not a whale. And it broke off and left evidence behind. It doesn't so, taste good. Yeah. That no foul rubber coating leaves a bad taste in your beak. So. Yeah, man, that's that was, you know, and you can see like so. How do you describe that other than a sea monster just attacked us? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you just, it's in it's in Wikipedia. The only mm-hmm. naval ship known to be documented to have been attacked by a sea monster. So, and a squid that God. size, 
had to be 150, 175 feet long. And that's without the feeding tentacles that shoot out, by the way. And those are the so, longer ones, correct? Yeah. And some have them, some don't. But when they do, like Arcatuthis and stuff, they have these two tentacles that they kind of sandwich together like Velcro. And then they shoot them out at something. They open up like that. They have hook clubs on the end, latch onto it, pull it in, pull it in. eight arms grab, immobilize, and then the beast starts going to work. So Nice. And then, yeah, Her- Herlin was, have you ever encountered, um, you know, anything that would remotely be considered mermaid? I don't know if the term uh, is the mermaidian. Closest, closest you're going to get is what I just had on a minute ago. There, so, there you go. <laughs> I got, no, I, I've never seen a mermaid or anything like that. You know, my, Are you my a believer? has uh, at the uh, water parks has done the mermaid classes with the tail and all, but no, I'm, you know, <laughs> you I, I've got photos and videos. She's adorable. Yeah. But no, I don't know if, you know, I, I remember seeing that mermaid documentary, you know, mockumentary, whatever you want to call it. And I was very angry because they had me convinced at first based on these yep. cave drawings and stuff like that. You know, I was telling my wife, like, look, look, look at this. And, you know, then at the, I'm like, I saw when I saw the animation, I was like, wait a minute, like on the cell phone. I was like, this looks pretty fake. And they started reading the fine print at the very end. It's like, no, 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 no. The CGI, you know? the CGI one that comes up to the water in the water to the glass. Yeah, know? like at the net. It's like on the yep. shore. Yeah, it was yep. awful. I know it's it's one of those you know you see it and you're because like, I was the same way it's like oh my god this is amazing and then you see it and you're like this isn't quite working out mm-hmm. you know yeah it's, it's like, I was yeah. angry I, I really was so no but everybody I said go to chronosrising.com you're gonna get all the information that you want on this I mean you'll see all his his complete complete bio uh, everywhere that he's gone to school to learn that he has made himself self-taught where he knows how to mash keys with the best of them you know amazon.com go check that book monsters and marine mysteries brand new book you know mark highly recommends it i can't wait to get my hands on it so as soon as that gets here tomorrow i'm going to be tearing into that thing too so it's just i wish i had it here prior but it's you know, I can't thank you enough for coming in at short notice. It was my pleasure. I, I, I yeah. enjoy being here. Listen, I must enjoy it because I bought a beard to wear for There's your show. To come on. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> that thing is itchy. Oh, I bet. <laughs> no. And it pulls your ears. It's like the last thing. It's like, ah, I feel like a Vulcan after a while. Like, my ears are pointed. Anyway. <laughs> no, Next but time was, I'm going to wear the whole thing. The Hagrid. The, the, I, I look like, that'll I don't be, know, like some that'll be awesome. 60s rocker, you know. <laughs> come in, I bought, come in looking cross, or partly homeless. Mm-hmm. I, I bought a whoopee cushion for a show. Well, I'll, I'll save that <laughs> for the for same another, same show. Whoopee cushion. Yeah, it's like you know, it, you know, it, it's you know, you, you have to spend a little bit to make you know for props to make the show work. That's, That's right. You see this? This is what often greets phone solicitors. When they call me, I'm <laughs> sitting in my office right here, and I get two, three, four of them a day. Okay, this is a remote control art machine, and you believe me. And then you take this thing, and you just put, you know, the, the, I put them on speaker. They're like, I'm like, hello, you know, hi, we're calling about your car's extended warranty, and I just go, yeah. and then. I, and, 
<laughs> and I put it next to the phone. And for some reason, the frequency on speaker keeps it going. So it's a nonstop barrage of flatulence. And they keep trying to, like, oh excuse me. I, excuse me. I, after all, they get so frustrated and angry. They, they hang <laughs> You know, yeah. And one time, awesome. oh my God, I took it into the bathroom with me, and the woman was she was so annoying, trying to sell me some sort of insurance plan or something like that. And she was apparently in a boiler room when you know what I mean, where there's like 150 yeah. people making calls. So I go into the powder room and I sit on the toilet. No, it was the lid was down. Okay, and I, I answer. I'm talking. I'm like, I'm like, what? And and she's like, so I want to talk to you. About, I'm like, I'm like, excuse me. I'm like. Oh, wait. Oh. And I keep doing it over and over again. <laughs> and she's like, she's like getting so fat. And then she, you hear her on speaker go, will you listen to this beep? Like that. And you hear like a hundred guys all laughing in the background at the same time. And then oh, she, awesome. she hung up on me. So I wish I had that recorded. It was classic. Next, you know? next time you have to, please, yeah. please, please record that. So the so. level of maturity in authors has just taken a huge nosedive on this show. But you know, you work from home. You're sitting around here, surrounded by fossils. You get bored. Somebody yep. calls to bother you. You know, gotta let the cat. You gotta, you know, just you gotta figure out some way to let the cats have them. It's one of the side effects of the Rona. You know, just blame it on Fauci. There you go. <laughs> I'm going crazy. The weatherman. Awesome. All right. Well, Max, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. We, it is always we, a pleasure. Yeah, we definitely. Everybody, please go get this book. Support him. He has been an amazing friend of the show. We, he's yep. one of one of the original one of the original guests we had. So it's like yeah, I he, said monsters, marine mysteries. Yeah, Max. Max fixed this up too. Yeah, this is, uh, just the, while you were while you were off, you know, having to visit the powder room real quick. You know, he. Yeah, he he said he sat there. He was showing some of the pictures, and they they look fantastic. So everybody, go there. Amazon.com. Dying, I had to go. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I had to shake hands with the champ. I mean, uh, you know, I've been drinking like two gallons of water here. Well, so, it's good. It's, it, it's important to be hydrated. I mean, it, it, yeah. it really- otherwise, I would have been sitting there going, "Yeah, right. Okay, how many minutes we got left? Uh huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah." Well, it makes it makes sense now. You know, when I was like, how much how much longer is the show? <laughs> I am not lasting seven or eight more minutes. Yeah, it's exactly. not going to happen. So. So, all right, sir. Well, hey, have a great night. We will talk to you later. And like I said, we, everybody, please go to Amazon.com. Pick up that book. Go visit them at ChronosRising.com. Max Hawthorne. Have a great night, sir. Thank you. And then, Mark, thank you so much for joining us, you know, with Austin being out sick today. So we appreciate appreciate no, that I, help. I, 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 I enjoy working with Max. He's, he's a great guy. And... We have another great show in 10 minutes. Yep. And then I said, so everybody, like I said, stick around. We will be back for the next one. Everybody, thank you. This episode was brought to you by Nanny Cakes. The Nanny Cakes 407. I'm new at this produ- producing thing. So like I said, I don't have the stuff just real handy here. Uh, it's, you've, yeah, come on. Where's it at? 407-923-2898. Um, it's, yep. Look, look at that. Oh, see, I figured it out. There we go. We are also rebroadcast every Thursday night by J&J Beard Company. Go to um, the Xeno app, download the Xeno app, go to Patriot Radio. They put us on there every Thursday night starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. This, no, there it is right there. Everybody go to patreon.com, 
forward slash three beards podcast, go to threebeardspodcast.com. Check us out on all the social media we have. And everybody, thank you for watching. Appreciate it. Everyone have a great night and we see you later on. Good night.